we welcome you into our second service today. We're, we're in a, a, a series, and, and obviously we all know that uh, something really drastic and, and horrible has been taking place across our country and across our land in the last week. And, and uh, as a pastor, I want to address some of that today. Uh, obviously, that can be very dangerous, and I've been advised by some pastors not to do that with a multicultural, uh, diverse church, but I feel as a pastor and as a shepherd and a spiritual father that there's times that you need to speak up and address things to bring clarity and understanding and direction and vision, and we're going to do that today, and we're going to do it on apology, and, and, and I believe it's going to strengthen and make our body even stronger. And so just be praying for me today that we'll have the wisdom of God to share what needs to be shared. That's why you do not have notes today. I just want to share from my heart to you today. And, and our first service was like, where's our notes? And I said, y'all are spoiled, man. Y'all are just so spoiled. <laughs> well, you still could have gave us notes. And I said, I'm talking from my heart. There's none to give you, okay? And uh, so uh, I don't even know if we're recording this. But anyway, uh, I just want to share from my heart. But it was amazing how our text today, I want to talk to you about my brother's keeper. It is so beautiful how it fits right in the series that we're in on serve. And let's go to our text that we're using every week this month anyway uh, for this series, so let's get in it right away. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And I just want to talk to us today and uh, as a family, and I don't normally sit on the stool, but I'm just going to make it as much living room as we can today, all right? all right? And just share from my heart with you because you see the blood of Jesus was not shed, the gospel was not given. Millions of Christians have not been martyred so that other Christians can just meet on a Sunday morning and sing Kumbala, Lord Kumbala, and go home and, and act like there's a world out there that doesn't exist. Amen. See, we are destined from our inception to be an army, a family derived from every tribe and tongue to establish God's kingdom on the earth and to bring lost and broken mankind back into the arms of a heavenly father who deeply loves every one of us equally. Amen. How many is glad that God loved you as much as he loved the other guy? Amen. This past week, reeks of hate violence and bloodshed. The videos of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile being shot and killed by police officers, the terrorist ambush and killing of five Dallas police officers, Brent Thompson, Lauren Ahern, Michael Kroll, Michael Smith, Patrick uh, Zamaripa, other officers who were shot in three different states that believed to be retaliation in Missouri, Tennessee, and Georgia, senseless killings of human beings in our nation. So Father, today we just pray. We pray, God, for the families of these that have been taken from us in such a traumatic and evil way. God, we can't comprehend the pain, the unanswered questions that people have today. But God, we pray that somehow you will bring hope to a world that seems to be losing hope at a measure we've never seen God, we pray right now that you bring in, into us the body of Christ a light that will shine brighter than it's ever shown before. That we will be that light set on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
God, we will speak a word of love and hope and healing to our nation. We pray for the officers that have been involved, God. We, we're not here today to be judge and jury. God, we pray for the families of these officers, and we pray for justice, whatever it is. But God, we pray for all involved, and we pray for a healing in our nation, healing among our people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to look today in Genesis 4, and this is where I derive my title from because when I, I, I've stayed off, I don't watch secular news anymore. I don't watch Fox, CNN, MSNBC, or any of the others because everybody's gone to an extremism. And so no matter which side you listen to, you're not going to get all the truth because you've got everybody's opinion in it, and I just quit watching it. And, and so... I didn't even know the, the shootings had taken place in, in Louisiana until the next, pretty much the next day, I guess, when one of our men posted something. But as my heart began to break, I went to this scripture. Then the Lord said to Cain, and understand that this is about two brothers, Cain and Abel, and they both brought an offering to the Lord, and God received the offering of one and rejected the offering of the other. He received Abel's, he denied Cain's, and then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Boy, can we all learn something from that? Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and killed him. Let's go on. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? I want to talk to you about that question today. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, I want to say this right off the bat. There is no way under heaven that I can do this topic that we're dealing with today, justice in 35 minutes up here. I'm not going to say everything that some of you will want me to say, and I may say more than some of you wanted me to say. But as a pastor of this church today, I want to talk to you from my heart, as honest and open as I can be. And all I ask you to do is listen to the whole message today before you make any kind of conclusion. You see, the issue at hand is about dignity. That's really what we're dealing with in our nation today, a loss of the sacredness of life, a loss of just dignity and thankfulness for mankind, understanding that dignity can only come from God, that every human being, regardless of race, culture, creed, is created in the image of God and is so special to him and so valuable to him that he gave the greatest gift he could to redeem all of mankind because he said, whosoever will, let him come. He gave the greatest gift he had, and that was his son, Jesus, because he loved us all so much, so equally. And I want us for just one moment to forget the circumstances, not that they're not important, but just for a moment, not forever, but for a moment, forget the circumstances involved in the shooting in, in Baton Rouge and understand, I don't know about you, but watching a video of another human being's life ending. I've seen two people die tragically in front of me. One, I watched a guy in the Bronx, New York, get shot about 30 times. And then to watch 
Alton Sterling, forget the circumstances, but to watch a man die. And the first thing that you see in our social media, well, he was a thug. Have you seen his rap sheet? Do you know what his past looks like? And then you got another side going, another officer kills another man, and nobody's talking about the man. Because we've lost the dignity that a human life just left us. And it left us tragically. And until we come back to understanding the value of God's creation, humanity as a whole, are the circumstances important? You bet they are. But they have no meaning if we don't have a dignity of life and an understanding and appreciation for each other regardless of what makes us different. You see, I, I faced this just not too long ago because I had to pull a, a weapon on a man, a man that was beating another man to death with about a six-foot tree limb about that big around. He had already broke all of his ribs, his arms, his skull was split in half, and he's continuing to beat him, saying, I'm gonna kill you. And I had to intercede in that, and then he threatened to kill me, and so I used the weapon to interfere with that. And for about 30 seconds, I was in between making a decision, do I shoot him before he injures me? And thankfully, I didn't feel to go that far. But I wanna tell you something, for two days, I was sick totally sick at just at the thought that I almost had to take a man's life. And we've got to come today and bring back an understanding of, of dignity. Few people were even phased by the fact that a man, a human being, a person created in the very image of God with purpose and destiny was just killed and we're already on our political and social agendas and not even recognizing that a man, a father, a husband, just lost his life. You see, Satan won, and we didn't even recognize we were in a battle. And until we go back to basic Christianity, the core of the gospel, honoring the sanctity of life, nothing we do under the banner of religion has any effect on our world. Am I my brother's keeper? You bet I am. And we've got to come back as a nation and as a human race and as people and look past the the skin color, and I thank God for this church, and I thank God for the diversity of this church, and, and, and that we can come together today in, in true love for each other. And, and by the way, we've already been contacted by leaders of this city and said, Transformation Church is the model. You, you got, we've got to have your voice right now to help bring healing to this nation because you are truly a diverse church in this community that expresses what the gospel is telling us is the answer. And I thought that was pretty cool. But until we're willing to lay aside our argument of who was right and who was wrong, to sympathize, and here's what I want you to hear today, not that those aren't important, but until we're willing to lay aside our argument of who was right and who was wrong, to sympathize and carry the burden and pain of my brother or sister who are struggling deeply, we as a society will die in our selfishness and our pride. When I heard the cries of anguish, concern, and fear from my black brothers in this church, some of them being my spiritual sons who have grown up under my ministry, when I as a pastor heard physically their cries of, I'm afraid to drive home after work tonight because I don't know if I'll make it home or not, and their wives wondering if they will too, I can't sleep with that. I've got to hear past my culture. I've got to hear the cry of people that I don't understand fully yet because I'll never understand because I'm a white man. 
I'll never understand some of the fears and the anxieties. I'll never understand some of the emotions and the feelings. I'll never be able to possess that, but I've got to look past what I don't understand when I hear the cry of a brother and intercede whether I understand or not. So why is there such an outcry from our black community? Why is there such a feeling of betrayal? Why is there such a, 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 this, this outward expression that's taking place? You see, we, I believe, in, and I've talked to many of the black leaders in our church to just get feelings, and I've talked to bishops in other states to help me as a pastor. I've been advised by many pastors not to do this today, that the risks are not worth the gains, but I think saying nothing's the greatest risk we have. So why, why the outcry? Because we have seen uh, gain. We have seen progress in our nation in the area of racism, I believe. But what we have not seen much progress in is this thing called systematic racism. And I want to talk about that because systematic racism describes forms of racism which are structured into political and social institutions. It occurs when organizations, institutions, or governments discriminate either deliberately or indirectly against certain groups of people to limit their rights. And that has not changed. If anything, in some places, it's gotten even worse. Let me share you a couple of examples and why, why the outcry of our black brothers and sisters. And I want you to understand what I'm saying today. I'm, I'm not playing judge and jury on any of these cases because I don't know what all happened there. I can only go by what I see on a video and what people say. We pray for justice to take place in every situation, regardless of which side it falls on. And we pray God's mercy on everybody involved. But here's what we cannot deny is that there's not a systematic racism in our culture today. Let me share with you why some of the black people are so irate and upset. One in every 15 African-American men are in prison today. One in every 36 Hispanic men are in prison and one out of every 106 white men are in prison. Blacks make up 14% of our population, yet statistics show that six times the incarceration rate of whites are blacks. So blacks only make up 14% of our population, yet there's six times more black people in prison than there are whites. And when you come and look at that, you've got to look at the fact that one in three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. That means the average sentence of a black man is 10 times that more than any other race for committing the exact same crime. That's called systematic racism. Racism has decreased in many ways, but in our system, it's still very real today. And as a white man, I said, I cannot, nor will I ever be able to really grasp or understand the totality of the impact it makes on the blacks of our society I did see it in the two Vietnamese children that we raised in our home from, from, young, from young teenagers, and, and we watched them go through this as Vietnamese people were jobs. They were not given the jobs they were qualified for. They were paid less than the other people being paid for the same job, we found out. All kind of things. My daughter's home was invaded by law enforcement for absolutely no reason, with no knock on the door, no identity. My little granddaughter was kept from her mother for over 30 minutes while she screamed and cried by law enforcement. I know the anger of that. I don't know the degree to what our brothers and sisters are dealing with in life in general today in the black community. 
but it's, it faces us, but in the black community, there's such a, a systematic racism that is still so powerful and effective today, and many of the cries that you're hearing from the black community about what they see is deep-rooted way down here in this system that has yet to change. So stay with me. You see, you must understand that we look through different lenses of life. And so when we look at a situation, one side is going to see the same picture that the other side sees, but we see a totally different picture because we look through different lenses. And when we understand that, we begin to learn, you know what? I, I need to get to know each other. I, I need to understand why you feel like you feel. I, I need to get into your world and bring you into mine. That's why we have things called small groups. So that we don't go to church together, we live life together. And we get to hear each other's life and we get to understand each other and the journey that we're on. When society sees an Alton Sterling being tackled and shot, uh, non-blacks see a man resisting arrest, has a rap sheet, had a gun on him. He deserved it. He asked for it. That's what one side sees. Then you go on the other side, the black community sees a man who was selling CDs with permission, confronted by police. Altercation takes place. He's shot and killed without being involved in any serious crime, while confrontation with other nationalities seem to be resolved without death. So if others can be resolved without death, why is it the black man keeps being killed in the altercation. I'm saying I'm trying to speak for the mindset and what the blacks are feeling because of the history of the systematic racism. And so when we come and understand this today, when I hear my black family, my black brothers in this church, as I said, many of them spiritual sons that have grown up in the under ministry saying, I'm afraid to drive home. I can't ignore that. I can't go home and go to sleep on that. We got to speak out and say, what can we do to change that? And so I begin to really pray and think. You see, there's a pattern or cycle that must be destroyed because faith without works is dead. Y'all with me today? I don't expect a whole lot of amens. I just want to know you're still with me. There's a pattern or cycle that has to be destroyed. When you go back and look, and I'm not here defending one side or the other. I'm wanting us to understand each other so that we can be the Christian body that's going to make a difference in our society. When you go back and look at the men, because it really aggravates me when something happens to someone and somebody says they deserve that because of their past. I thank God that's not true. Or all of us would be in some serious, serious trouble. Go back, because I did. Because someone on my social media page made a comment, and I, after I rebuked her, I unfriended her. But I rebuked her public or privately when she tried to slam somebody publicly. I gave her the honor she didn't give a dead man. I did look at his rap sheet, but I went further than you did. I went further than the crimes he had committed and I looked at a man who had no mom or dad in his life, was raised by an aunt in an environment of poverty that produces violence. What else can I expect from him? Doesn't excuse any actions that are wrong. 
But we've got to break a pattern because when I looked at that, you go back and look at the majority of these young men that are being caught up in this web of violence, they're losing their lives, they fit in a pattern. Broken homes, no positive male influence, raised in a poverty environment, violence, product of their society, a lifestyle of crime. 72% of African-American births are out of wedlock. That means they're born into a broken home. 42% of Hispanic births are out of wedlock. 25% of white births are out of wedlock. We're bringing a generation of people into a world in a broken environment. No positive male influence in their life. Poverty rates. In America, 9.9% of whites live in poverty. 26.6% Hispanics live in poverty. 27.4% of blacks live in poverty. Children under, under six, 45.8% of black children under six years old in America live in poverty. 9.9% of white children under six live in poverty. Let me say this, because our ministry has been involved in, in inner city work for all of our years, the 35 years of ministry. We've dealt with, with drugs, poverty, New York City, the inner city, the ghetto, whatever you want to call it. Poverty breeds crime. Poverty breeds hopelessness. Poverty breeds addiction. Poverty breeds all of these negative things that we see in this world. And if 72% of our black young boys and girls are being born into homes without the complete home and a broken home, and majority of them, because see, here's what we, we have a problem with, is that we come to church and we go to work and, and I see a Drew Waters or I see a Debbie Beckford or I, I see a Patrick or I see a Jonathan and I see successful people, but the, they're the minority of the minority. Because the majority's over here living in areas of vast poverty and crime. And they become a product of their society. Chicago, this year, 2016, 2,090 people have been shot, 311 of them killed, and it's been black on black crime in the majority. What's that tell us? It tells us that these people are growing up and being raised up in a pattern of a society that's producing what we're seeing, and the church can no longer be silent about it. Second part of the pattern is law enforcement, like every other profession, it has some bad people in it, but the majority of them are good. It's like ministry. We got some crazy people in ministry. They're crooks. They're little crooks. And they're robbing and stealing from people. And they're lying to people. And I can tell you personally, I know maybe 10 to 15 that are like that. They're becoming millionaires off of poor people, giving them the offering, buying them jets and planes and all that stuff. There's maybe 10 or 15. And then the rest of us are judged by that because that's the only people they see on the news because they're the only ones that can afford to be on there. And so we're all judged by that in ministry when I can tell you today, the vast majority of pastors out there are wondering if they're gonna pay their mortgage this week or not. And how many people are mad at them because of their service Sunday and all that stuff and the stress. Suicide is rampant among ministers right now because of the stress level. I deal with them every week. Four pastors called me Friday wanting to quit the ministry. Four. The stress level of all of this. Why, why do this anymore? 
We've got to come and understand that law enforcement is the same. That yes, there's some bad ones in it, but we got to be careful that when we say that, we don't put all of them in it together. We'll have more Dallas stuff going on. And from our political leaders to our pulpits, we need to stop putting all the officers in one category. And I want to raise up our young people in here that respects authority and respects law. I mean, there's no secret. If you're told to do something and you don't, bad consequences are going to come from that. And we've got to come and understand today that there's a pattern that's producing a whole nation of young people that, that unless we intervene, faith without works is dead. Unless we intervene, the pattern's going to continue. And at the same time, we've got to come down here and surround this group of people, our law enforcement, with our prayers and our support. And those who are bad need to be identified and held accountable from within and from the public. It's got to happen. We can't cover it up and say, oh, it, don't, it does matter. Because if a man, and I've done it two times in this church where a guy's preaching heresy, and I found out people in here are following that, I will identify him and tell you he's a liar and a crook and you need to quit following that stuff. And it's the same way in the law enforcement. If there's one that's bad, he needs to be identified. I have family in law enforcement. I have members of this church in law enforcement. I thank God for our law enforcement. And I'm an advocate of law enforcement. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we're not covering up the bad guys that everybody needs to be held accountable. Is that fair enough? What we don't need is to establish a spirit of rebellion against our law enforcement in general as the vast majority suit up every day to put their lives on the line to protect and serve us as their citizens. I don't believe for a second that those two officers that took Alton Sterling's life suited up that morning and said, I'm gonna go out and kill somebody today. I believe they suited up like they did every day, but something bad happened that day. And I don't know what happened. I don't know. I'm not judging jury. But I pray for their family as much as I pray for the other families because there's families in our country right now in great turmoil. And we need to pray. And we need to pray for justice. What produces that? Let me share a couple things with you. Number one is extremism. We're a nation of extremes. We used to be a nation unified. Now we're extremes. Not totally, but more than now. But we're extremists now. Our society is built on this extreme attitude. We are as far left and as far right as we can possibly go and still exist. No longer is our country based on our individuality and uniqueness as human beings. We're either black or white, Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative. We no longer hold any identity. We're identified by other people and what they say. Thank you for the one who. I mean, read Christian Facebook. Just try it. You hear little about the gospel. The name of Jesus is hardly mentioned, but boy, does Trump and Hillary get the front page. Got a while now. You see, reality, those voting for Trump are just on there bashing Hillary, and those voting for Hillary are bashing Trump. You don't hear any of them saying anything about their candidate because there's very little good to say. So we got to keep bashing. Here's what Mark 7 says. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold to your own tradition. 
when your political party or your candidate or your, your, your stuff out there takes priority over this, you need to come back and check out your Christianity again. You need to find out what you're really following. Are you who you are? Are you the person God? Are you living individually as that unique person God created and designed you to be? Or have you let somebody else or some organization start defining who you are? Rather than being motivated by political affiliations, power, pride, control, we could be active participants in following after a person called Jesus for the purpose of glorifying God through acts of justice, empowerment, and love. So there's extremism, but then I wanna talk to you about balance. Martin Luther King put it so beautiful. He said, the ultimate weakness, I don't know if we have that, the ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Through violence, you may murder the liar, but you cannot murder the lie, nor establish the truth. Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. So it goes, returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. When extremism, we seek guilt. When in balance, we seek knowledge, understanding, truth, and justice on all sides. We've got to come today and understand that Jesus did it that way. We see it in 1 Timothy 1, 15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. I mean, he's glad that Jesus put a whosoever will. Whoever's third, let him come. Whosoever will, let him come. And Jesus showed us a pattern. You see, Christians like Jesus like he did, we must recognize that our society is filled with numerous groups and communities facing systematic oppression, and we must act. We must avoid the spiritual laziness that tempts us to rely on generic excuses and solutions. Jesus intentionally, purposefully, and passionately addressed very specific causes. He radically addressed the diverse and complicated conflicts of the time. Everybody stay with me because they're gonna help me in a moment. But Jesus did not just bring this universal message to the world. Jesus stopped and dealt with issues individually all through the scriptures. He dealt with culture. He dealt with diversity. He dealt with oppression. He dealt with injustice. He stopped whenever he saw it. And as the body of Christ, we must too. Jesus did not just preach that universal gospel. He talked to the, the individual and dealt with the individual issues of life. Involving ourselves with these issues, serving those who need justice is an example of following Jesus that today's Christian must adhere to. We cannot act as though nothing's happening. And I challenge you today as, as a body, I thank God for this church. I thank God for this family. It was very real to me the other day. Sunday night, we heard that one of our single moms here with two little babies was living in an area that was very, very not good and she was being told to get out immediately and she needed to and it was 
July the 4th, coming up, that week right there, man, everybody's got their day planned and we needed to get her out. And I got on the phone and I text eight men in this church of different cultures, different nationalities. I wasn't looking at it that way then. I just texted eight men and said, hey, can you guys give us a couple hours in the morning? Let's get this woman, this children taken care of. I want to tell you that morning, Monday morning, I showed up at that house. There were six pickup trucks, two massive trailers, an SUV. And in two hours, that little mama and her girls, all their stuff was put in a storage unit and they were in a hotel safe and a place to stay for a week because of this body. And I love this body. Friday night, we had our shrimp bowl over with our men. And I was so blessed as I sat there and all of a sudden I saw our young men, our teens, out there throwing football. And I counted five nationalities of young boys out there throwing a ball together and laughing together and living life together because we're gonna raise this generation to different. They're gonna live and they're gonna live life together. But Ezekiel put it like this and I'm gonna close with this. And Ezekiel, okay, I'll read it. There it is. Thank you. Let me explain this. And I've already gone over my time, but let me explain this because Israel and the nation of Israel was identical to America today. There was hatred. There were violence. There was murder. It was all taking place. And God was just fed up with it. And he was getting ready to destroy the people. And here's what he said. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Her prophets whitewashed these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. Watch this. They say this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. Boy, do we not see that? You got this whole Christian organization over here going, God said Trump's the answer for America. Then you got this other group of Christians over here going, God said Hillary's gonna be our next president. One of them's wrong. Got a well now. (laughs) Saying the Lord said when he didn't speak. The people of the land practice distortion, commit robbery. They oppress the poor and the needy, mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap. And most translations say stand in the gap before me for the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. And what God says here is Israel's gone backslidden. She's full of violence and evil and hatred and injustice. And I'm sick of it. Just like America, he's sick of what he's seeing right now. If we're sick, then how does he feel? And he's saying, I'm looking for a person, a, a man or a woman that will stand before me for the land so that I don't have to destroy it. The greatest manhunt, I sought for a man. The greatest mission was to just fill the gap, to hold back God's judgment. Greatest misfortune is I couldn't find one. Too busy running my political campaign. Too too busy running my stuff over here. Too busy to care. I don't want to get caught up in that racial stuff. No, you better get caught up because it's very real. You know what? It's affecting my family this is my family and when it affects my family it affects me and we've got to come because Moses did that six million Israelites God was fixing to destroy them all because of the same stuff 
but Moses stood between God and the people to the point that God told Moses, leave me alone. This in Exodus, read it. God said, Moses, leave me alone. Moses was praying so hard for the people that God was ready to destroy that God had to say, leave me alone, Moses. So I'm gonna destroy them. They're stiff-necked, disobedient, rebellious. I'm gonna get rid of them and give you a brand new people that'll love you and they'll, they'll be in unity. And here's Moses. Moses said, repent of the evil you're about to do to these. The God told God to repent. Three verses down, you will see, and the Lord repented of the evil he was about to do unto the people. Because Moses said, if you take their name out, you take mine out with it. Because if they don't go, I don't go either. God, give us that kind of love for even the people we don't understand. Give us that kind of love, even because these were the people that were trying to kill Moses. Give us that kind of love, even for the people that I don't agree with, even for the people that I can't comprehend what they're saying, and it offends me, but they're speaking out of a different view than what I have. And just help me to pray for them and help me to have understanding. But God, don't let us get out of the place where you have to destroy the people. That's why I come out on Tuesdays at 10 and Saturdays at 9 and pray with us here as we pray for our body and our nation. But let's stand back up today. Let's be a voice. I don't mean stand up. Stand up. I'm just meant stand up. But thank you for obeying. What was wrong with the rest of you that stayed seated? No, I'm just kidding. Isn't it good we can laugh in a message like this, right? But my heart's broke today. My heart's really broke. But I believe that God's got an hour for the church to shine like we've never shown before. And this church is gonna be a light in this city. And we're gonna be an example for the community and the world to see that we can be at peace with each other. And when one of our brothers falls, then we're all gonna to stand together and pick him up until we can walk together again. We're gonna do it. Stand with me now. Just lift your hands to heaven real quick. And I know we're going a little bit over, but just stay with me. Just lift a hand to heaven.
take the person next to you by the hand. And Father, I thank you today for this body. I thank you for my friends and my family. And I pray, God, today that, Father, you will let your grace and your mercy and your love, understanding, patience, forbearance, God, let it reign in our heart and life. That God will be willing, Lord, to be misunderstood or to misunderstand or God, we, we just want to grow together, Lord, and we, we want the, the diversity of this body, Lord, to strengthen us, not divide us. And we thank you, Father, Lord, that you've pulled us together, Lord, and you called this house to be a light set on a hill that will not be hidden and it will not be silent. That God, we will declare the goodness of Jesus and we will show the world what the body of Christ is supposed to look like and act like, God, that, God, you mature us and develop us, God, and help us, God, to be that example that you called us to be, Father. And we thank you for it, God. Do it, Lord, in our lives individually. Heal us of our wounds. Forgive us of our sins. Help us, God, to be that true believer, that true Christian. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, sing it one more time. Christ behind me, cause Jesus, I need you every moment, I need you, and here now, this grace poured heart to sing out, your praise by your heads. If you're in this room today, you say, Pastor Dan, I'm, I'm in that place today. You talked about hopelessness and feeling at the end. And I just feel today like, man, I don't know where to turn. My life just feels empty. I feel like I'm not going anywhere. And I realize today that I just need Jesus. I need to start over. I need a fresh beginning. Pray for me. If that's you, would you just slip a hand right where you stand? Wow, hands going up all over this building. I'm ready for that new beginning, Pastor. I'm just ready. I'm tired of all this emptiness and all this feeling that I'm not going. I, I, no purpose. I'm just ready today for Jesus to come and just get me on a path that's right. Boy, I feel him. There's such a love in this place right now. It's genuine, folks. It's real. He's not a God of hate. He's not a God of judgment. He's a God of mercy that comes today to let you know that whatever you've been through, wherever you come from, it don't have to have any hold on where you're going. He's got a brand new journey and a great plan for you today. Don't reject him, receive him. So I'm gonna ask one more time, if you wanna join the 
10 to 15 that just raised their hand and say, I'm ready for a new start today in my life. Ready for a brand new beginning. Come on, just lift that hand so he can see it. It's all about him recognizing it. God bless you. God bless you. More hands going up. There's 20 or more hands been raised in this house today. Just saying, I'm ready for a brand new beginning in Christ today. Brand new start. Just pray this prayer with me. If you raise your hand, say, Dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you did raise from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I'm a brand new person. I'm on a brand new journey. I'm gonna walk it out with you. In Jesus' name, amen.